and welcome to episode number 28 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. So glad to be bringing you this show once again. We're getting this one in just in the nick of time to get one in for the month. The month of March, that is. I have a really good show for you today. I'm looking forward to it. And as I am often want to do, I'm just going to give you a quick little personal update regarding my life in guitar. I'm actually having a bit of a struggle with what to work on. I've spent the past year or so working through the Taroba Sonata in A minor. It's an excellent piece, I'm really enjoying it. And then I've kind of just been working some others around it. One of my current ambitions has been to go through the entire Villalobos solo guitar catalog and play everything I haven't played, which is just a handful of the etudes. I've played the Brazilian Suite, I've played all the preludes and coro, so that leaves the 12 etudes, and I've done uh, probably half of those or so. So anyway, going through those now, um, I am on number four of the ones I've not completed, and I gotta say I'd never have had much interest in number four. I honestly don't think it's very interesting musically, but I'm finding it quite a joy to play. I'm actually, <laughs> I think it's pretty fun. And this is not the first time this has been the case with me, but do y'all ever have that where uh, you might start working on a piece that you're kind of lukewarm about at best, you know, and then end up really enjoying it? I find that a lot with Lobos. I like the way he writes as far as how it falls into the fingers. Usually uh, he writes pretty idiomatically and it, it can be really fun to play something like that and they can really grow on you. So I've got that going. You know, I, I try to get like something technique wise going, uh, like an etude and then I try to kind of cover different eras but man I hate to admit this but these days, I really don't have the practice hours going to be able to say I'm working on a Baroque, a classical, a romantic, and a you know a modern era piece. Um, and it's it's a bit more just it's a bit more sparse. So this Taroba Sonata is pretty well in my fingers and I'm at that kind of awkward point whereas I don't perform but I'm I'm really enjoying it so I'm still working on it haven't quite got it perfect I, re I really wish I still performed because I, I don't really know what the end goal is I don't really have much interest in recording pieces other than my own compositions but maybe I ought to make a video or something but anyway I've got that going and then I decided to arrange uh, the Bach Partita in D minor. Um, I've never done the Chaconne. I used to play the entire thing on my mandolin. Um, I've done quite a bit of the Bach solo violin stuff. When I played violin, I did it on violin. Anyway, I love the D minor Partita. Most guitarists are at least familiar with the Chaconne. To me, it was always a violin piece, and I didn't really have much interest in doing it on guitar for a long time. I was more interested in Bach's stuff that that was for the lute itself rather than transcriptions but over time you know I've, I've warmed up to the chaconne on the guitar and and 
now I'm at the point where I, I love hearing it, but I've never worked on it. So just kind of cracking into that whole suite. I've, I've read through the Chacon a few times. I don't really have the, I, I just have an Urtext edition is what I'm using. I don't, I don't have a guitar arrangement yet. I'm planning on doing my own and that kind of leaves me with a, a, a handful of work. And I, you know, so I've been working on the Alamon. I've got the arrangement done. I'm working on getting it in my fingers, but I feel like something is missing. Like I need to work on something that's a little more standard repertoire for guitar. And so I've got to make it decision. I've got, I've got to get into my shelf. I've got a ton of sheet music that I haven't played. Uh, I did kind of look at the Paganini Grand Sonata for a bit, but that one is a monster and it's kind of like um, how I plan on reading War and Peace, but I just have a hard time starting it. You know, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to read War and Peace, but it's just so big. That's kind of how I feel about the Grand Sonata, so that's where I'm at guitar-wise. And then compositionally, man, it's just the valve is closed and it sucks. I cannot get it going. I thought I had I had a couple of pieces going and just it's not happening. But a lot of that is just uh I am not taking the time that I need to. I'm not making the time or finding it. I've been doing other things. I mean a lot of side projects, a lot of freelancing work and whatnot. But there's my little, uh, what would you call this? It's like my journal, my, my guitar playing journal in audio form. That's where it's at. But I am really enjoying the Villalobos number four and playing the Bach. So one other thing, and I really do apologize if I've brought this up already. I don't always remember what I have and have not talked about, but... A topic that has come up on the show several times is classical guitar popping into movies here and there. Um, I asked for examples from listeners, got some suggestions from a few of you. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this one or not, but if I did, I had forgotten about it. One of my all-time favorite movies that is just near and dear to my heart, Friday the 13th has some classical guitar in it. There's a scene where some of the camp counselors-to-be are in one of the cabins, and they're uh, sitting around, you know, having a little chat, and there's a guy, one of, the, one of the guys is playing a classical guitar. And, you know, it's clearly angled so that, you know, you can't see that he's not actually playing it. And what it sounds like is what I suspect is it's some guitarist, you know, in the studio just kind of noodling. It's got a very improvisational feel, but it's nice. And uh, it actually ends up being on the Friday the 13th soundtrack. So a few weeks ago, um, we were listening to my iPod on random and that popped on. And I was like, oh my gosh. So, I would encourage everybody who has the mind for horror movies. I mean, you got you if you like horror movies, you've got to see Friday the Thirteenth. It's a classic. If if for no other reason, to uh, catch that little bit of classical guitar that's in it. So, in bringing that up, I completely overlooked one of the greatest movies ever made. 
Alright, so let's move on with the show. I've got an email here from my good friend Martin Slater titled Memorization. Chris, just a few thoughts occurring to me as I'm attempting to memorize a performance standard. I find that particular passages stick more consistently than others and certain links need particular attention. This entails separating them out from the piece as a whole to properly secure the required movements. Even the more secure parts cannot be ignored as muscle memory, which tends to take over at these points, still has to be backed up by visual knowledge of the movements required. When security has hopefully been achieved, the mind then needs to develop the ability to think ahead of what is actually being played in real time so as to avoid otherwise inevitable hesitations. At my time of life, this task is probably a little more taxing, but there you have it. It would be interesting to know other people's memorization methods. Martin. Well, I agree. If anybody would like to chime in on that, please do. I would uh, be curious to hear any of your takes on that. Man, for me, when I was a kid in piano lessons, memorization was my stronger skill. Even in school as a kid, like I was always really good at memorizing things. And um, I memorized the Gettysburg Address when I was in fifth grade. It was something my teacher had me do because he could see I was good at memorizing things. And I like memorized all the US presidents up to that point in order, which I couldn't do now. But it was definitely a skill that translated to music. I don't know when it kind of changed, but actually I do. Uh, the more I started doing like studio guitar work and just being in a lot of situations that require sight reading, um, the more and more I lean on reading. <laughs> and it's almost like I haven't exercised that memory skill so I don't feel like I do it as well as I used to but for me what I do is I kind of I mean there's it depends on the style of the music for one thing I really struggle to memorize Bach I imagine most of us do it can really help to analyze pieces to a certain degree and really like I like to focus on the chord structure and then that kind of helps me block out the piece in my mind you know if I think of you know chord structure when I'm working on like a piece say in sonata form I mentally you know I do break the piece into its parts you know like when I'm in the development section I'm actually actively thinking about how this development um, is coming from the themes and you know, if it's a well-written piece, that helps. But I find Bach difficult to memorize because it it's like um, perpetual motion. I mean, it just it goes and goes and goes. And <laughs> there's never like a nice cadence to reach. You know, it's like <laughs> the phrase never ends with Bach. So I think he's really hard to memorize. And then I think I, I find Taroba, some stuff by him can be a little bit difficult to memorize, like the uh, piece I'm working on. I had no trouble memorizing the first piece, but the second and third movements I, I am struggling with, and I think that harmonically they're a little more confusing. So the chords themselves don't, don't, there's no like just 
automatic bell in my mind that it's I'm like it's like a B minor chord and it's just like I just make an immediate association with B minor right whereas his chords are a little more complicated there's not an immediate connection there and it can be difficult so what I've been doing with the taroba and it's pretty effective when I'm just simply not too lazy to do it but I I just break this piece into smaller chunks and I'll have the music on the stand but I won't look at it I'll look at my fingers and then if I get stuck then I look up at the sheet music read through it and then I do it again looking down at my fingers and I start to make a visual connection with my fingers rather than the sheet music and if I pretty diligent with it it works for me pretty well it even even works with Bach but it takes a lot more determination for me to do that with Bach I like to memorize pieces I think that uh, you can pull a lot more musicality out when you're not reading and I think that you notice things more like you notice that your tone is maybe not as nice on this section here every time because you're you're now listening a lot more than following. So that's what I do, Martin. I break it down into small pieces, run them over and over again, and, and I have to keep checking back. And that's been working with me, you know, with the, with this uh, Taroba movement, which I'm currently trying to memorize. It's a matter of, you know, it's a pretty simple rondo form. So I'm just kind of going by chunk by chunk based on the rondo form itself. What does get me with a piece like this one is like this repeating a section is just a tiny bit different every time so there's that's what I struggle with <laughs> with this one is these tiny little variations I don't know if that's helpful maybe it's something you already do but that's kind of my approach to memorizing uh, but I would love to hear more from any of the listeners um, feel free to chime in on that and with that I think it's time to uh, maybe Give the podcast a little pause and top off your iced tea. Still got about half of mine left. That'll probably get me through the end of the episode. Oh, and by the way, thank you, Martin, for your email. As always, I really appreciate you contributing to the show. And a little preview for next episode, we will be hearing some music newly sent from Martin himself. I'm very much looking forward to that. But today, we will be hearing the music of Bob Wilson. If you remember a few episodes back, Bob uh, sent in a piece we heard. He's from Canada. And I believe the piece we heard was a smaller part of what we will be hearing today. And I'm very much looking forward to this. So, Bob writes, Hey Chris, sorry it took me so long to get back to you. I was driving across town today, and there is a really beautiful park with a disc golf course. It was super busy and made me think of you. The mic that died was a Tascam ID74, I think. Something like that. It was just a cheap, large diaphragm that came in a bundle when I got my first interface years ago. I always was surprised at how great it sounded. It was really nice on vocals. I used it many times on my wife, who is a jazz singer. Your show has really inspired me to get my butt in gear, and I've got a new mic and started working out my first CD since we last talked. I got a CAD E70, and it seems to work well. I might get a second one and record in stereo in the future. The CD will be all original music for solo guitar around a half hour long. 
I finally finished the Lyra Suite. You know the story of the lullaby. The second piece is an interlude titled Sleep, and was my attempt to catch the ever-changing facial expressions of my newborn daughter as she slept. The third movement is Danza, titled Joy, and was just an expression of how much joy I get, and still get, from holding my daughter. I had been working on Sons de Carios by Pernambuco and Prelude 5 by Villalobos when I wrote it, and I think you can hear a bit of those in there. More so, the Pernambuco piece. Man, I bet I'm saying that name wrong. I'm sorry, I actually don't know this composer and I want to look this up. Bob continues. Over Christmas, I had challenged myself to post a Christmas song on my Instagram every day till Christmas for 12 days, just recorded on my cell phone, and finished with an original. I tried to keep it short and simple like a Christmas carol, but when I sat down to record it for the CD, I ended up adding a fair bit. I think it's quite pretty and definitely the quickest piece I've written. It came together in just a couple days. I call it Memories of Winter. Because although we do get snow out here on Vancouver Island, it tends to be very mild. Less than an inch of snow usually closes down schools, haha. <laughs> I hope you and the listeners enjoy my music. I just saw while I was writing this that you posted the new episode, so I will go brew some tea. <laughs> I like mine hot this time of year. And have a listen. All the best, Bob. P.S. I will send you some of my scores when I get a chance. Well, thank you, Bob. That, of course, was referring to the previous episode. Uh, this came in on February 21st. Okay, something that just jumped out at me. Is that true that you don't get much snow on Vancouver Island? I guess in my mind, like, the entire country of Canada is just blanketed in snow year-round. But apparently that's not true. <laughs> I can't imagine schools in Canada closing for snow. That's funny. And I'm a little jealous, because I don't care for the snow. And I live where apparently it snows in March, but not in wintertime. We're having some ugly weather right now. Speaking of ugly weather, though, and disc golf, uh, <laughs> I got out yesterday. Uh, Parker and I friend of the show, we went out for a nice, wet, rainy round of disc golf, and man, did I play terrible. I think I threw like 10 strokes over my average score at this course, and I was not very happy about it, but I did have a blast. Oh, <laughs> speaking of Canada, <laughs> I, uh, I have recently been introduced to the show Letter Letter Kenny, <laughs> Letter Kenny, and uh, well, I'm very much enjoying that. So I think I'm getting a very let's just say I have quite the uh, image of Canada in my mind right now. Man, that show is uh, something else. I, I gotta ask: is that uh, <laughs> is that what it's like there? Where you live, Bob, maybe not so much on Vancouver Island. <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank you, Bob. I'm very much looking forward to these pieces. Thank you so much for sending them in uh, and for providing the context of how they were written. I always enjoy hearing how the pieces were written as much as, you know, I think it's a big part of the listening experience is knowing more about the origins of the piece. So let's go ahead and start with the Lyra Suite. 
that'll be the first three movements we hear. And then the fourth is a separate standalone piece called Memories of Winter by Bob Wilson.
And there it is. We've just heard The Lyra Suite, followed by Memories of Winter by Bob Wilson. Thank you, Bob. Very nice work. Thank you so much for contributing to the show, and I really enjoyed it. I also was going to say real quick that I, before listening to that, looked up that Pernambuco piece, and I really like that. I've never heard it, so thanks for introducing me to something new. All right, I'm going to call that a show. Once again, thank you to Bob Wilson for this month's music, and I look forward to seeing you all in episode 29. In the meantime, check out the cinematic masterpiece that is Friday the 13th. I'll see you next time, and until then, keep on plugging.